Hello, and welcome back to The Scriptures Are Real. I am your host for today, Lamar, and this is my good friend, Carrie. Hey, how and, are you? Uh, it's, God, I'm doing well. It's Christmas time. Um, you've got your your uh, Christmas accoutrement behind you. I've got my yeah. holly in the ivy. It's actually more bamboo in the ivy. Anyway, yeah, that's close enough. This little one uh, right here was actually painted by my daughter. That's a little nativity scene uh, where the angels are like the stars. My daughter painted for us. I love it. But anyway, oh, nice. Very good. Well, as you know, it is Christmas time, and uh, you just finished up the book of Revelations with some of your great guests. And uh, yeah, well, we have one more episode of Revelation to go with Nick. Nick, right? He's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, excited to hear that one. Um, Yeah, I've been really enjoying some of your guests on there, and um, uh, your last guest is it Jason? No. Yeah, Jason Combs. Oh yeah, Jason. Yeah, he has some super cool things to say. Uh, I like. I didn't know that a locust had a. uh, it had a five month lifespan and it ties in with, I mean, he has yeah. some pretty cool tidbits that I thought was just really great. Yeah. I had no idea about that either or catching on. I don't know why I never did the math that all these numbers are different ways of saying three and a half. <laughs> yeah. And three and a half is kind of just a, a weird number. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't hear that the ancient fun. world going in halves. So the ancient world uses full numbers, but yeah. anyway, I thought that was very clever. Anyway, so if you haven't caught those episodes, go back and listen to revelations. It will make, It'll be a revelation to you. It's pretty awesome. There's some good stuff in there. So, <laughs> well said. No. So, um, wait. Before we get started, I, I you have some uh, sponsors that have been so uh, helpful and kind and helped us out. Tell us yeah. a little bit about who's helping us out with the show. Well, this one is uh, kind of a specific uh, episode for Spark, the Society for the Preservation of Ancient Religious Cultures that we want to clue people in on. And he was uh, our guest uh, last year in January, uh, my friend and archaeologist named Jeff Chadwick. And he just did a long lecture uh, about uh, what things were like in the time of Christ and, and the birth of Christ uh, for Spark that I thought was really really wonderful. So I just wanted to make our audience aware that if they go to sparkproject.org, and that's with a C, S-B-A-R-C, sparkproject.org. And if you join Spark there, then you could listen to Jeff's lecture as part of your Christmas. And then there are a whole bunch of other lectures you could listen to. Uh, and he has a book out about the um, about yeah. the, the the manger and things. Yeah, it's called Stone Manger. You can get it. At, it's an audible, or I think it's a a Kindle. Anyway, it's only electronically that you can get it, but you get it uh, through Amazon. It, I I found it very fascinating. If you want to listen to that episode, it's in January, so he's still got his Christmas things up, but but it's in yeah. January and uh, it's beginning of this year, and we've talked about the Christmas episode, and it it's fantastic. He has some really interesting things about what the inn was really like and what the uh, what the manger would have been like, and and you know. Some more archaeological things, which rounds out the story to me. I thought it was great. He had some really good things. We talked about the the timing of when yeah. it was. Some people think it's in April. Some think it's in December. Anyway, we won't spend time on it here because we've got plenty of things to do. But go back and listen to that episode about Christmas and uh, add to your knowledge. I think you'll find it quite interesting. Yep. Excellent. Okay, great. Well, I've been... Uh, talking to Carrie about this uh, for a while. And one of my favorite things to do when, when I was a seminary student and as a teacher as well was to um, have a question and answer period. I wanted to, you know, be able to pose honest questions like, what do I do about this? And our, our seminary teacher was great. He would pass around an anonymous hat, you know, and you could put this thing in, wasn't a hat, but you know, it was a bucket or something. And uh, we would talk about what, um, 
you know, what questions we had and he would answer them forthrightly. And I thought that was just fantastic to be so able what to do he, What he should have done is pass around a hat with a seer stone in it so that when people <laughs> put the question in, the answer just came. That's, that's what would have been ideal. Oh, that's it. There you yeah. go. We should have done that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that's a good one. All right. Well, um, maybe next time when some of us are more, <laughs> yeah. um, more inspired, but, uh, Anyway, I've been talking to, to Carrie for a while about doing uh, a question and answer, and we put it out to some people, and we had some good questions. Now, some of these questions are super scholarly, and they're multiple pages long on some of them. So we won't be able to get to the whole question, but I summarized kind of what we're looking at here, and we'll yeah. see how many we can get through. If we can't get them all now, we'll, we'll go to another episode. Um, but let's, uh, let's go through the question and answers that yeah. we got from some of these people. And if you have other questions about things that we talked on the show, put them in the comments. And I know Carrie's very good about uh, going through. I try to go through as many as I can and, and answer people back when they ask me particular questions. But yeah. um, And then we'll, well, after the questions, we're going to talk about some Christmas stuff, right? This is our combined question and Christmas episode. Right. Yes. Yeah. So and, hang in there. If you're here for Christmas, it's coming. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, the good thing about this podcast is we have access to a lot of scholars in all in one place. So this, this is what I, I tell people about myself. I'm like, I may not know the answer, but within about four phone calls, I'll get you your answer yeah. uh, as much as we can know. I mean, I don't know all yeah. things, but especially when I'm in logistics, I have a logistics company and I know enough people that within about four phone calls, I could tell you how to move anything from a, a, a car or a pallet to a bridge. If you need to move a bridge, I know a guy. So yeah. That's kind of how it goes. So the first question here is uh, from. First, uh, let, let me just thank you first, yeah, yeah. if it's all right, Lamar. Just mm -hmm. because I want everyone to know, as people emailed in questions, I just forwarded them to Lamar, and he's done a fantastic job of culling through these and uh, and uh, as he said, kind of uh, sizing them down and so on. But I'm grateful, Lamar, that you you did a lot of work to make this possible. So thank you for that. Oh, well, you're welcome. It's uh, my pleasure. I like to, to be part of this show, and it's uh, it's fun for me, too, because some of these questions are my questions. So this first one is from Karen T. And uh, first of all, she says, I listen to your podcast, so I feel uplifted and light. So that's always yeah, good to thank hear. Thank you. Yeah. And your podcasts are valuable to me. So that's perfect. And then thank you. the summary of her question is this. Uh, well, we are told that this is a time to prepare to meet God. Uh, you've said in the podcast that there is sometimes – uh, that there is a time to die, a time after we die before the judgment, that Christ will be working to redeem, to redeem these people, and is that an exclusion clause? And I think what she's talking about, and I know that that you and I at least talked about uh, at one time when we talked about um, the people in the time of Noah, and they get yeah. flooded out, and that seems an awfully harsh thing to do, is to wipe out a whole bunch of people, yeah, like and, all of humanity, but eight, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty big. That's that's a pretty big. And we talked about being in, in a timeout. And yeah. if I'm an, interpreting your question correctly, um, we're trying, and I've thought about this myself. So I'll, I'll throw my hat in with this too. That this is we were told this is a time to prepare to meet God, a time to to prepare for the endless state which has been spoken of us, which is after the resurrection of the dead. Okay, so how come they get an exclusion clause? Like, well, they were wicked and did this thing, but they get an extra chance to 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 repent and be worked with yeah. there's a there's a whole lot more to this question or, or that could be answered it could take up several podcasts on its own but yeah give me your thought on that well and i'd say this is in many ways one of the most burning questions of our day i don't know 
any families personally that have uh, adult children uh, that uh, so and it doesn't have to be when they're adults, but when you've had a family that you've had them for a while that doesn't have some child work that has challenges of one kind or another. And often those are faith challenges or something along those lines. And if it's not our children, it's our nephews and nieces or grandchildren or someone. Uh, we all know someone who we desperately want to be able to be in the celestial kingdom with. And if uh, judgment day were right now, th their choices make us wonder, right? Um, and so this is a big question, a, a really, really burning question. So much so, like, for example, in my ward, uh, we did a fifth Sunday lesson on this, and uh, we were so barely scratching the surface of what people wanted to talk about. We did another. The next time we had Sunday school, we did it again. Um, and I think we still could go more and more. And I am planning on addressing this some more. For example, I'm, I'm going to invite, uh, I haven't invited him yet, so I won't say too much, but I have a, a, a friend who has written about this uh, in a connection with uh, Lehi's dream. So I'm going to ask him to address that question uh, when we get to Lehi's dream. And I'm considering doing a roundtable uh, where I'll get a bunch of people. So we did this just because we had so many people asking questions, a bunch of my colleagues and I uh, just said, hey, let's get together and talk about what does the covenant mean uh, when it comes to our children who are turning away from the church? And uh, we had several family experts and several covenant and Old Testament experts, and we just mm -hmm. got together and, and talked it through. So I'd like to do a roundtable like that as well. And it may be for I'm, I'm trying to put together a different uh, um, a website where we can have all sorts of resources. So we may post some things on there as well. Um, but let me answer it this way. Let me just say, first of all, I don't know all the answers, right? I, I that I, that should be abundantly clear by now. <laughs> um, and I'm not one who's authorized to declare doctrine, but, but maybe we can do this by looking at uh, President Oaks's last talk in general conference, mm -hmm. which yeah, like so many of his talks is a masterpiece uh, about the, the degrees of glory. And I love this idea that, I mean, it, it's so comforting to me to know whatever, whatever happens, we're going to be in a great place. Now we'd all like to be in the greatest of the greatest of the greatest places, but we're going to be in a great place. And in the first part of his talk, he mentions this very phrase that today is the day to prepare, right? So today is the day to prepare. And, and he talks about that. Um, and uh, he quotes President Nelson in the middle of that, where he says, mortal lifetime is barely a nanosecond compared with eternity, but what a crucial nanosecond it is during this mortal life. Well, consider how carefully it works during this. Or, sorry, let me say that again. <clears throat> Consider carefully how it works. During this mortal life, you get to choose which laws you are willing to obey. Those of the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial, the celestial, and therefore in which kingdom of glory you will live forever. What a plan. It is a plan that completely honors your agency. So we'll have a lot of places where we have our leaders talking about how important mortal probation is and that, that, that this is the time to work out your salvation and so on and so on. Um, and yet they often are balancing it with something else. So President Oaks mentions that a little bit in his talk, what we've just talked about. But then when we get down to section four of his talk, he spends a long time on this idea when he says, when we fall short in this life, we can repent and rejoin the covenant path. 
Uh, and then he says again, the Book of Mormon teaches that this life is the time for us to prepare to meet God. But that challenging limitation to this life was given a hopeful context, at least to some extent for some persons, by what the Lord revealed to President Joseph F. Smith, now recorded in Doctrine and Covenants 138. And then he goes on to talk about uh, the chance that people seem to have to change in the next life and in the next world. And then he says, in addition, we know that the millennium, the thousand years that follow the second coming of the Savior, will be a time to perform the required ordinances and so on. Anyway, then he says, there's much we don't know about the three major periods of the plan of salvation and their relationship with each other. And he spends a, a bit of time talking about how it seems like there, for whatever reason, in whatever way, there is a chance in the next life. So uh, I, I, there, there, we always seem to have to hold these these ideas in tension and in balance with each other. This life is incredibly important. And if you have the truth, it's crucial that you act on this truth. And part of that is to avoid misery and causing other people misery. But part of that is because I think also part of it is that when we when we turn away from the light and we start to, to, to be drawn to darkness because of our fallen nature, it's hard to reverse that. And we may get ourselves to a point where we don't want to reverse it. Give us a thousand years and we still don't want to reverse it. Um, but I think we have to balance that with the idea that God loves all his children. He won't ever stop working with them. Uh, he's bound to, to or, and determined and wants to honor his covenants. And uh, I put myself in the place of God. And at what point would I say to one of my children, uh, you know, maybe let's say that, that I lived uh, until I was 100 and some of my children were, uh, what in their seventies and or sixties or something, uh, and they had done terrible things, and they came to me the last two years of my life and said they wanted to change. I can't picture myself saying, uh, "Sorry, time's up. You should have changed before you were seventy. After seventy, no chance for change. You're done." Right. right? Um, I just can't picture that, and so uh, I'm grateful that I'm not the one that has to figure that out and that has to balance that. But I believe that uh, we can trust in God's mercy. And at the same time, remind people how important it is to do and choose now. And that's the problem. We don't want to overemphasize the mercy later so much that people feel like they don't have to yeah. worry about it now. Right. And, you know, we talked about this on another episode, too. I talked about uh, people feeling like the church demands a lot of them, maybe yeah. too much. And I was thinking my personal thought on this is uh, there's a guy named Jim Carver who on my mission was very helpful in this kind of thing. I, we had a lot of questions and I've kind of developed this thought that the church is by necessity, the coach and the coach is going to make you accountable and drive you as hard as you can go, because that's how you progress. You progress yeah. by expanding your boundaries and trying to do better and trying to do better and trying to do better. Now we know there's room to fall. There's room to repent. There's room to, to, to get back on the path. That's true. And I don't want people to feel overburdened by that. I've got people all around me that are feeling overburdened all the time. And I keep saying yeah. the, the, it, it's not important on how much you do. It is that you do your best. Grace and mercy, as Jim Carver would say, grace and mercy is a whole lot more fair than you think it is. Yeah. It will be. It will be OK. But the coach in the church doesn't want to let up in making a scoop because the better we work as a team, the harder we stress each other and, and, and help each other the better off the whole team is yeah. in moving in a direction. And so that's what the church is here for. But look, do what you can. It's like Mosiah says uh, in the Book of Mormon, um, it's not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. 
okay, so do what you can, know some limitations and work on the limitations. Maybe your limitations grow and get better, but, but we're, we're here to do our best. So do your best. Only you and God know what, what the best is. Do the best you can. And if you fall short, you starting start again or, 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 you know, start where you're at, keep going. Uh, amen. And same thing with, uh, as we think about our children right there, uh, just love them. President Nelson has been so clear about this so often. Uh, they don't need our criticism. They don't need our judgment. They just need our love. Um, and uh, that's that's where we're at. And so it, we hope that they can trust in our love and we know that we and they can trust in God's love. Right. And the last thing I'll add to that is I, I think that uh, we don't know what people's physical, mental limitations mm. are. We don't know what they're going through, what they've been through, what they're going to go through. So if the Lord sees on the other side of that and knows how to, how to deal with them and they haven't, she calls it an exclusion cause Karen did. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I call it that, but, but I see what she's saying. Yeah. Um, if the Lord sees fit to do it, who's going to argue with him and say, no, they, I had a different you. No, that's not fair. Yeah. Look, it's going to be fair. Trust me. It's going to be fair. Just focus on your lane, do what you're doing. And if someone else has a different set of circumstances and the Lord deals with them in a different way, in a different part of time, let that happen. That's going to be fine. You know, anyway, I think you bring up a, a really, really important point that I meant to make and I forgot. And I, I, that is, I think we underestimate the, the importance and the power of, uh, of having a resurrected body or even losing this fallen body. Right. I, I know people who have made some bad choices and I think it's, literally because they went through some traumatic things and trauma rewires your brain and it, 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 it causes your brain. Certain parts of your brain don't work the same way and other parts are overactive and, and some parts aren't working at all and so on. And I can imagine when that person uh, that I love dies and uh, that fallen mortal physical brain issue is gone suddenly going, Oh, this is what it's like. Yeah. You know, and same thing with people who th their body's not producing enough serotonin or mm -hmm. whatever else. Right. And going, oh, wow, it, it seems like someone just took a cloak off of me. Uh, and and now I can see and and it's just going to be so different when right. we have that that taken away. And then when we get a glorified, resurrected body, I, I mean, wow, just think of the difference that's going to make in people's understanding and ability and so on. I, I look forward to that day for a lot of people, including myself, but especially for a lot of people. Right. So, Karen, we focus on the now and what we can do. Uh, we were about the we, we try to teach not to the exclude to the exceptions, but we teach to the right. rule. So stick to the rule and the exceptions will work yeah. themselves out. OK, well, again, we could go. I mean, these are super yeah. deep topics. We could go on forever and ever, but. That's a good one for now, and then we'll move on to the next one. The next one here is from uh, Heather W., and uh, she said, Merry Christmas. Yeah, and well, uh, Merry Christmas to you, Heather. Uh, she's getting a lot of great questions for your podcast. Anyway, so she's having a great day. So she says, uh, was Eve beguiled, or did she know what would happen? It seems uh, that different prophetic and temple sources have different takes on, which, on why she ate the fruit and how much of an agent she was when she did so. Now, I'm going to throw this in here. And again, this is one that we could take up many podcasts with. And again, we, we're, we are not speaking for the church. We're not authorized to tell doctrine. These are just our opinions. Um, and of course we're relying on Carrie's uh, big brain to know all these good things. But anyway, I'm going to throw in this, this has bothered some people that I know uh, where 
Eve gets a lot of uh, a lot of flack for doing this as a sin, but it was part of the plan to fall. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that, but I don't know. Well, what do why don't you, you start of? out with your thoughts? Let's let's hear what so you have to say. Here's what my thought is on this: the Lord, first of all, is the He is bound to teach you the right thing. He can't tell you to do something that is against uh, that is against the good. Let's say, so He can't say. Go ahead and do this. And then, oh, well, you fell and ha ha, you know, that's against his nature. So what he says in, the, in there, he says, um, I forbid you to take the tree of good, you know, the knowledge of good and evil for you should surely die. But it's given to you to choose. So the choice is this. What I think the choice is, is that he's setting it up like he's saying things are going to happen. And I'm not going to lead you to destruction or to, to a, a physical and, and spiritual separation. On my own, it, this is what will happen. So don't do that. But it's given to you to choose. If you want to take the fall, if you want to fall and do these things, um, it's up to you. But you've got to choose that path for yourself. Now, again, we we talk about the path of redemption and the in the, the the plan of salvation, how we need to be experience these things. So it's a little bit of a tricky area, but that's what I think it is. I think that the Lord says these things are are going to be potentially harmful. Um, but you can choose for yourself, but that's something you've got to choose on your own. And again, we, we've reduced the whole complex situation into a little allegorical story. Yeah. And so we're getting a little bit of that. And I think there's a lot of the detail that might be left out, but that's kind of my overall thing. So I think Eve was on the right track. She did yeah. know, and maybe she was beguiled because she's in a state of innocence a little bit, but I think she knows enough to say this has to be so for, for man to be. So that's kind yeah. of my thought. What do you think? Tell me I, 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 I agree. And uh, I mean, let's say again that, that I don't know. Uh, I'm not the person who can say what is doctrine and yeah. so on. Um, but and and that this is a deep topic. So this Book of Mormon workshop that I did just last week, um, last Friday, we spent an hour and a half uh, trying to talk about unique teachings in the Book of Mormon about the fall. And we got just a little ways into it when time, you know, it was time to move on to something yeah. else with that hour and a half. This is this is important and great stuff, but uh, let, let's talk a little bit about what uh, you were saying, the, this notion that uh, sometimes Eve gets a bad rap if when this is what was supposed to happen. And there are different ways to interpret it, and I've been impressed. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but if, if, even when we see the fall being acted out, you can have the same exact words and dialogue and just change the way the actors are looking at things and, and their expressions and what they're doing. And it paints a completely different picture, right? Agreed. There are a lot of ways to interpret this. Um, Joseph Fielding Smith would agree with you and a number of others, but he probably said it more than anyone else, that um, he, he talks about the command given to Adam and Eve not to partake of the fruit when it says, nevertheless, thou mayest choose for thyself for it's given unto thee. That's And that's from the, the book of Moses, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, he says, no one, you don't see any other commandments given that way. Right. There's right. something different going on here. And you can imagine, I mean, have you ever seen thou shalt not murder? Nevertheless, thou mayest choose for thyself. Right. Um, that's, <laughs> right. that's not how we get the that commandment. So it's clear that something else is going on. And he would agree with you that that God is explaining to them the choices that are before them and that this particular choice will lead to pain and sorrow and suffering, but also to other things that were necessary and desirable. Um, because of that uh, need for opposition. And that that's all complex. We could spend a long time getting into the need for opposition and why it's important and so on and so on. But 
it would seem that he gave them their choice and, and an informed choice. Uh, so to the question of how much does uh, Eve know, well, maybe just along those same lines, if we're going to talk about, I think this will transition us from how much does Eve know or, you know, Eve getting a bad rap to how much does Eve know. I just want to read something from President Oaks. President Oaks, um, in a great talk called The Great Plan of Happiness, uh, it was in the uh, October 1993 General Conference. He said, some Christians condemn Eve for her act, concluding that she and her daughters are somehow flawed by it. Not the Latter-day Saints. Informed by revelation, we celebrate Eve's act and honor her wisdom and courage in the great episode called The Fall. Now, that's different than what we're going to hear from anyone else, right? But those two adjectives are the ones that are used most often by Latter-day leaders, especially in the last, say, 40, 50 years, uh, more often by Latter-day leaders than any other two adjectives having to do with Eve, courage and wisdom, which implies that she understands quite a bit and mm-hmm. uh, and and understands some of what's going to happen from it and makes that choice knowingly, right? Now, there's also a degree of innocence, and she's deceived in some way. Is she deceived when Satan says you won't surely die because they are going to die? Uh, is it deceived in uh, trusting Satan? Is it deceived that this is uh, uh, not a decision you should make without talking to Adam first or something? I don't know. Right? Yeah, she's deceived in some way, but I and and I think it's impossible for her to be fully informed because uh, you you can tell her you're going to have pain, and if you've never had pain, that doesn't mean a blessed thing to you. Right. Oh, right, right. That does sound bad. Okay. Well, let's go on. Right. It's like telling uh, someone uh, childbirth is going to hurt. And you're like, oh, yeah, I bet that hurts. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, that's what that means. I, I don't have any personal right. knowledge of this, but that's how my wife says it. Anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. So, interestingly, I found this just um, uh, just like this last week. So, this is from President Nelson's new book, um, The Heart of the Matter which is mostly taken from different talks and things that he's given elsewhere. So maybe he said this elsewhere and I, I didn't know it. I just want to read this from president Nelson. He says, it was our glorious mother Eve with her far reaching vision of our heavenly father's plan who initiated the fall, her wise and courageous choice. So there are those adjectives again, her wise and courageous choice with Adam's supporting decision moved forward. God's plan of happiness. Now you think of that, her far-reaching vision and wise and courageous, that that indicates that she understands quite a bit. She can't right. understand everything, but she seems to understand quite a bit and and make the choice that needed to be made, even though it would be difficult for her and f- thus for all of us. Uh, she seems to have at least a fairly decent knowledge of this. Yeah, I think I've heard that quote somewhere else before. Uh, like I said, it comes from one of his talks. And I've tried to keep that in mind as well. And I'm like, I, I think there is an amount of knowledge that they have, but it's it's really hard to tell. Again, we've yeah. reduced a, a very complex story into a, an allegorical type of story that's, that exists in Genesis and in Moses. Yeah. And there's a lot of more complexity than, than we than we do. But I I have much respect for Eve. I mean, I, oh yeah, I think she did know something. And and uh, being the mother of all living is just is a big is a big, um, not only title, but a, 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 a badge of honor. I wonder how am I trying yeah. to say that, but you know what I mean? It, it's, oh, yeah. that is, that's a big thing. She is yeah. a very pivotal figure. And I think that a lot of times when, when we reduce it to, well, she did this and, and I, you know, like, you know, yeah. Bill Cosby used to have that whole thing about the eating the apple and so forth. And it's a, it was a funny skit, but 
I don't, I, I don't think that, I think we do it a disservice if we treat her as if she was the one that caused all this problem. Yeah. Uh, no, this is not a I problem. Mean, we're she grateful. Off the adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We are grateful for that. She did it right. In fact, yeah. um, I think, uh, and hopefully I, I think I'm safe in saying this and it's correct and hopefully not me becoming a heretic and I get thrown out <laughs> of everything, but right. um, when I think about us in pre-mortality and the plan being explained to us, uh, we had to exercise faith in Christ at that point. We had to say, okay, we, it hasn't happened yet the way we understand and measure time, but we believe Christ will come and actually go through with everything he's asked to go through as difficult as it will be. And, and if we didn't believe that, we wouldn't have made the choice to come here, right? Right, so exactly. We had to exercise that faith. But I think there's a second group we had to exercise faith in, and that's Adam and Eve. Because if we say, okay, let's start the plan, but... What what if those guys just find Eden so nice that they never yeah, make that? They decision? never get out. Then we're stuck. Then right. we're we're just plain stuck. This plan doesn't work, right? And so I think we had to exercise a degree of faith in Adam and Eve that they would also make the hard choice, the hard decision that was necessary. And and so I'm deeply grateful that they did. I, I agree, and I'm with that. And this is one of those philosophical things where you can find holes and and little things that don't match up, and we're just not going to know the full story on this we have to take some of those things on faith and so again this is one of those things like you this doesn't make sense it doesn't exactly match up here with everything but that's okay it's not going to everything in, in this world isn't going to make all the sense on these grand scales we're trying to we're trying to shrink down eternity into a story so yeah yeah all right great well i hope yeah, that we- helped uh helped heather um and feel free to submit other thoughts or in the comments and and yeah. uh, if you have other references or, or quotations from prophets and apostles, we'd love to hear those as well. All right, let's move on. And this one here. We uh, probably have time for just about one more question, I'm guessing. Let's see. We want to make sure we leave enough time for uh, for Christmas. So hopefully yes. I don't, I'm don't. i not so long-winded and we can get through this more quickly. <laughs> well, this one I think uh, we could we could uh, condense in a couple ways. So this next one, this is uh, this is one I think we can answer fairly quickly. This is from Jordan B., and um, and he has a, a couple of questions. Let me read this whole question. This is a fairly short one, but I think it's going to be answered by one of the previous, um, one of the first episodes that we did together. Um, like, I guess it's been two years ago now, the same time we talked about the facsimiles. Here's what he said. Hmm. He said, hello, I have a question about the facsimile Joseph Smith's interpretation. Uh, interpretations that doesn't match what modern Egyptians translate out to. Or so Egyptologists, what should they say? Yeah, he, it doesn't matter, I guess. But yeah, oh no, he says, yeah, and modern Egyptologists translate. Yeah. Um, so in that day, Egyptians, Jews, and Greeks all shared the same cultural influences. Actually, it's going to be a longer question, so let's, let's re- reduce it down. So he's basically saying, there's, did they give? Is is uh, Joseph Smith giving an interpretation of how the Jews would see that Egypt thing instead of just exactly an, an Egyptian one? Or, you know, anyway, that's kind of what he's talking about. And why doesn't it match up? And I want to say, though, that if you go back to what you said in the one where we were talking about the hypocephalus, which is the round one, the yeah. round facsimile, facsimile number two. So this is like what, like maybe February 2022 or something like that? Pretty early Jan- I think no, it's either December or January. Okay. Um, but anyway, it was Old Testament one. So go back to one of the first, it's one of the first five episodes that we did. Because we talked about Moses, the book of Moses and Abraham, before oh, yeah. we started talking about the Old Testament. So if you go back to that one, one of the things that you said in there 
was you went through point for point on the on that how it how it lined up and actually they're a lot closer than you think the way joseph smith says it there in the very brief description that we have in our description he did he, in our scriptures he did it for the uh, times and seasons but when you went through and lined out what this what all the symbols mean they're not that far off to me no. if there's if they're ones that are in there they're they're minor but anyway Go back and watch that episode, but then you can fill it in from here, Carrie. Yeah, we'll give a real short answer to this. And then, yeah, you can read my uh, book, Let's Talk About the Book of Abraham. Oh, yeah, I got it right here. Look at this. Uh, and it's right there behind my daughter. There you go. For me, it's right behind my daughter's Christmas picture. Um, <laughs> and you can listen to that episode. So uh, and there's a BYU Studies uh, article or I mean, journal or book out now by me and John Gee and Stephen Thompson and John, or, or, I mean, Stephen Smoot and John Thompson about it. Um, but uh, quickly there are, it, it does match up surprisingly well in a whole lot of ways. And then there are some things that isn't, that it's not how uh, normally an Egyptologist would interpret it. So let's say, uh, the fact that he identifies Abraham in any of them, most of the time, Egyptologists would say that doesn't make any sense. And yet we have examples of, uh, for example, facsimile three, where you've got someone sitting on the throne. Typically, it's identified as Osiris, and we find lots of examples of a similar drawing in Egyptian funerary stele and similar things that identify that as Osiris. But actually, quite a few that, I mean, a small percentage, but still a significant number that identify it as Abraham or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So it is not impossible for this to be an Egyptological interpretation. It works. Um, most likely, when someone is doing that, it's because they have uh, experienced some uh, Jewish influence, uh, or they might be Jews who are experiencing Egyptian influence. And uh, that's the thing that we really don't know. We don't know what kind of, a, we know there's a multinational melting pot going on at the time that that these papyri, not in so much in Abraham's day, still in Abraham's day, but not as much as it is in the, the day when these papyri are created. Uh, and uh, you likely have uh, either uh, some Egyptians who are familiar with Jewish practices, and we know that they're infusing Jewish practices into Egyptian religious practices. Maybe that's what we have. Or maybe we have Jews who have taken these Egyptian drawings and given it their own interpretation, which we know they did, uh, and that kind of a thing. So that that that's happening a lot, uh, and it shouldn't be surprising. In fact, we should be surprised if we don't find someone who is some Egyptian priest who is uh, interpreting these uh, drawings at some point with the Jewish influence. And we should be surprised if we don't find Jews who aren't taking these Egyptian drawings and interpreting it in their own Jewish way. We should be shocked if that's not happening somewhere. And so why say it can't be happening here? That's just not well thought out. Yeah, people, uh, we often see people borrowing symbols, like just like, well, it's Christmas time. So we're borrowing the Christmas tree. We've adopted it for our own use, but might have had different uses in, in times past, the evergreen and so forth. So that episode that, that we did is very, and I'd like to do it. I, I could spend many more episodes on the facsimile. I think those are things that are fascinating. I've always been fascinated. That. And the fact that we were BYU together and I went, for, I took one of your classes. I've said this story before, but I took one of your classes and four, you, you were just a little ahead of me in school. And for your class, I went and met with Hugh Nibley in, uh, in the Harold B. Lee library. And he went through some of these things with me. He's like, well, this symbol could be here, but you can interpret this thing three different ways. It could be there, or this could this could be this. Anyway, it was very fascinating, and we talked about a little about that on the episode. And then you went on to go get uh, a PhD in Egyptology, which thrilled me because now I have a, a direct line with somebody who knows stuff. So, anyway, 
Um, that was from Jordan B. And and uh, appreciate that. I hope that's helpful to you. Go back and watch that one if you haven't already. And then um, I beg uh, uh, Kerry to do some more on the facsimile. He's got lots more information. Read his, his book. The book's not very big, but it's got a lot of information packed in there. He spent, uh, what, four years researching that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, in well, some ways, that, two but, decades, but but yeah. working on that specific book, I, I did well, spend working several on the book years you. trying yeah. to uh, to figure out how how to boil a lot down into a, a readable and simple thing. But yeah, well, that's all the I've got four, well, six, eight more questions, but we're not going to get into it now. Yeah. Um, let's say yeah, some on the documentary hypothesis and Joseph Smith and first vision and stuff, right? So we'll we'll make yeah. sure we cover those another time. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, let's talk about those. We'll uh, we'll get to them, and and we appreciate your questions. And please submit those as, as in comments. Uh, it helps us uh, to know where the audience is, uh, where, where you, what you guys want to talk about, what you want to, what questions you might have, what episodes we might do. I mean, you know, we're going to burn through the scriptures here, you know, in four years, but we'll have things to recycle later. And recycle is not the word, but to revisit yeah. later at a different angle and that kind of thing. So. Um, in the comments also does help us when you comment on these things, um, it helps the uh, YouTube and the other algorithms to um, see that people are engaging and it uh, gives more visibility to people who might have a similar. And also, you can just tell people about us. That'd be great. Um, look, we're not making any money on this thing. It, you know, yeah. I'm taking time out of work. Harry's taking time out of his day. We're just doing this because we want to share um, some good thoughts and, and hopefully help people understand and make the scriptures real to them. That's why we're here. Yep. Well, yep. that's up. Well, let's wrap it up for the uh, for the question and answer, and and uh, and then we'll move on to Christmas. It's Christmas time. You've got your thing. I've got my my tree back there that's all lit up, and uh, we have Christmas yeah. all over our house. Um, I'm excited for the season. How about you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so so excited. Uh, I love Christmas time. Love everything about it. I'm out. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm one of those. Some people call me a Grinch. I don't know, but I don't want uh, to have the Christmas lights lit and and stuff going up till the day after Thanksgiving. I want Thanksgiving to have its due. But I get it. I've got uh, I'm, I'm because it's going to get real cold right after that. I usually am putting the lights up. I'm just not lighting them and and everything right. so that that next day I can turn them on because I love it. I love Christmas yeah. lights. I love uh, mostly. I love the spirit of Christ that we feel in the season. I like that too, and. You know, let's um, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, we often, in, again, that that episode in January where you talked about this, a lot of people um, think that it happened in April uh, because Joseph Smith made some comments about the, the birth of Christ and about April 6th being, you know, being in church. Uh, won't go into all those things, but there's a lot of evidence, really. And it, I, I don't, Joseph Smith yeah. didn't actually say that he was born in April, no. right? No, it just comes from when the church was organized, and it says this being 1,830 years from the, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was a really, really common way of saying 1830, right? I mean, that's just how they did it all the time. But people mm -hmm. kind of took that as, um, oh, this must be exactly then. They didn't for a long time. That that was actually kind of a later thing. Elder Talmadge was one of the people that kind of got us going on that. Before him, President J. Reuben Clark was saying, no, this is uh, probably in December and so on. So in the end, I don't know, but I lean towards the December or the the early uh, winter kind of dating. And yeah, and the, the reason we have it now is obviously that we, again, talk about this adoption of symbols. The church, in, the, the early church, early, early, like, you know, in um, Constantine's time didn't have yeah. a, 
have a have a real place to put that. And so they kind of adopted some some uh, holidays that were already on the Roman calendar. And they're like, well, this is the you know the birth of light. This is when the the solstice happens, and then the light comes out. So the 25th is what we put it on now. Yeah, now that sounds but, kind of like uh, people uh, from one religion taking another religion and uh, mixing those practices together. That's yeah. well, that's weird that that could happen. But anyway, that's yeah. crazy. It happens. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what we uh, that's what we do now. Whether it was exactly then or if it was November, and again, the the Jewish calendar is slightly different. The months move a little bit differently because of the way they they're on a strict lunar calendar. So anyway. Um, we uh we 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 put it in winter now and i think that it matches well and i i like that feel i mean if you're in australia you might be like hey it's summertime here and it's hot and you know it's not cold and there's no snowy white yeah. christmases <laughs> over here so that part isn't you know, the tradition part becomes um a, a second part but the real yeah. main thing that we want to focus on is the love of christ the the gift that that Christ coming into the world means to us and those kind of things. And all the traditions that come out of that are all part of the fun and the magic. And that's great, but let's not lose sight of the fact that what we're really celebrating is the savior coming into the world, which is the gift, which will redeem all mankind. Amen. Amen. And in fact, uh, I feel like this should be a time of year where above all else, and and we can let all of the things going on distract us from this, and we need to somehow find a way to be able to be in those things and have them add to it. But this should be a time of year where we just focus, like we, we get a good 30 days or something where we are focusing on how can I draw closer to Christ or closer to God through Christ? Um, how, how can I build that relationship? How can I become more Christ-like? Um, and uh, I, I think that should be the focus. And I think we all think that we just have to find ways to make it happen. Yeah. I, this year, <clears throat> if it's all right, uh, there's at least one thing I kind of want to touch on Lamar, which sure. is uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing even a different element of Christmas this year, because during the summer, I wrote a book on, on Easter um, that uh, we can talk about when we get to Easter. But uh, part of what I realized as I was writing that book is that there's a certain irony in the way that uh, the plan of salvation works out. And, and we discussed it a teeny, we touched on it just a teeny bit when we were talking about the fall. But really the point of the plan of salvation is to have a closer relationship with God, mm -hmm. to become so like God that we can uh, have a closer union and communion with him and have that for forever, right? Mm -hmm. And isn't it ironic that part of becoming more unified with God is being cut off from God's presence, leaving him, right? Uh, that's that's just an ironic thing that we, if we want to get closer to God, we first of all have to get, had to get further from God and then start on the journey to get closer to him again. And that way we can get closer than ever, which is kind of true of all of us. Like, you know, you have to kind of leave home and become your own uh, you know, grown up man or woman. And, and that allows you to understand your parents better. I understood my parents so much better once I became a parent. And, and uh, you know, had a, a whole new way of being bonded with them and being close to them. So there, there's an irony in that, uh, in, in our desire to draw closer to God. But then that helped me recognize a greater irony. And that is that Christ came to make it so we could be unified with God. And the only way he could make us unified with God was by him leaving God and in the end, fully losing God's presence. Right. That that right. that our unification is only possible 
because first of all, Adam and Eve help us to leave God. But second, because Christ was willing, though he did, it was not necessary for him, he was willing to be cut off from God's presence uh, through becoming down in mortality and then in those moments on the cross uh, being fully cut off. But as I think about that, you know, I've always thought at Christmas time about the great Jehovah coming down in such a helpless state. Right. And this this notion that, uh, you know, I've seen um, dogs be born. I've seen uh, colts and fillies be born. Uh, and cows be born, right? And, uh-huh. uh, and those little guys, right after they're born, they can get up and walk around, right? They're, they they can do stuff. Yeah. And then I've seen humans be born. They can't do a blessed thing. Right? <laughs> there's nothing they can do for themselves. They can't even roll over. Um, there's there's nothing they can do for themselves. And Christ came down into that. The the the, the mighty divine warrior Jehovah came down and was willing to allow himself to be completely fully helpless and completely dependent upon his mother and his stepfather, right? I mean, uh, Joseph, not his father, but still he's trusting in Joseph to take care of him. And uh, that's that's always been amazing to me, but it's kind of reached a different level for me this year as I think about that being the first step in Christ isolating himself from God so that he could make it so that you and I could be fully, completely unified with God because Christ was already fully and unified with God. He was there and then he gave it up so that we can be there. And uh, I I guess I've always known it, but I know it on a different level now. and, And I'm just so deeply grateful for that. That's great. You know, and that ties into what we were talking about with uh with eve um and that great thing you know a lot of you might know that uh that i'm a comedian and i've been an actor for a long time um is one of the things i've been doing throughout my life and there's a thing that they call in the in the writing circles is the hero's journey you have the reluctant hero and this seems to resonate all the way from greek plays all the way up through shakespeare there's all that well even pre-greek plays like you can go to mesopotamia sure oh yeah yeah exactly so this hero's journey. And then, so people, secular people will say, well, that's, that's, that just resonates with people. This other journey. And I think it's the other way around. I think that we resonate to this because this is the real journey that everybody takes. They leave, they come here and we've kind of talked about it here. We developed a little, our own little thing called the, the commute to commune. Oh yeah. We talked about, um, I think that part of that is that we all have to come on this journey and, even in Hebrews, uh, um, Hebrews, it talks about Christ. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him. So I just think that, that, that everybody goes on this journey through mortality for good and bad, bumps, bruises, things like that that happen, and all the great things that happen too. Adam and Eve started on that journey. Christ himself came from that journey. And like you said, it's a humbling thing to be the creator of all these things around us, to know all that stuff and to come and to be the most helpless of people or of creatures that are on the earth, to be, to put yourself in that place, to be helpless and build up. He went through that same thing that we go through. We go learn how to walk and run and, and, you know, experience love, joy, um, hate, despair, all those things happen to us. 
And it's all part of the plan. It's part of the reason we're, it is the reason why we're here is to have this experience where we are separated uh, from our father, from his presence. And we learn to walk on our own, like that cold, you know, getting up and yeah. wobbly. Well, we're a little slower at it. It takes us <laughs> a lot more months or years to get that down. But, but um, yeah, I think that I think about that too, about when the Lord came here and he, and he, he condescended to be like one of us, even though he was the greatest of all of us, he came down to be here and, uh, and, uh, and then sacrifice. So that the whole Christmas season ties in with like, I almost wish Christmas and Easter were right together so we could get the bookends, but yeah. yeah. Um, but it's nice to, to, to be able to, to spend time thinking about God coming here to be with us, to, you know, the, the son to be here with us and to show us the right way. And we focus on those things and, and, all the other fun traditions are good too. The, the cookies and all the things that will, you know, gain me 10 pounds during the season. Um, yeah, all good yeah. things. Um, but the real thing is to see that nativity scene, you know, in the yeah. hallway that we have here, we have a foyer area. So I see that nativity scene and that's one of the most, the, the best decorations that I see. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fortunate. My wife has uh, helped us make it so that, uh, nativity scenes, whether it's our outside decorations or our inside or, or kind of the focus and to help us remember. So that's, that's a question I have for you, Lamar. So you weren't expecting me to interview you here, but okay. uh, what are some things that you do to help us stay focused on the real reason for Christmas and on uh, developing a closer relationship with God and Christ during the Christmas season? That's a great question. And one of the first things I do is I like to watch the first presidency uh devotional at the first yeah. it'll be the first uh uh sunday in in december i like that and i i like you i love um thanksgiving and all the being around all the family and and it's a great thing it's a great kickoff to the, the whole season it's just yeah beginning in is, is so much fun for me because it, it focuses focuses around the family so seeing the uh the um, first presidency devotional, I like that. It sets a good tone, I think. And then um, I I have a uh, I don't. Do you know? Do you remember George Durant? Do you know? George oh yeah, Durant yeah, is? yep. He, I, for probably both of us, he was our MTC mission president, and then That's exactly he was a right. colleague of mine at the at BYU for a while. Yes. Okay. So he has a a, a little book, and he does the audio book, and if, it's it's hard to find now, harder to find. Uh, for a while, his family had a had a uh, had a georgedurant.com. I don't think they're maintaining it right now, but mm. he has a thing called "Don't Forget the Star," and mm. it's a series. I think it's six different little vignettes of Christmases, like when he was younger and when he was a teenager, and then he was on a mission, and then when he gets married, and then with his family later. But his message in there is so good; it's so much fun to listen to. To well, if you know George, he, he has yeah. a his storytelling ability is awesome. He just has just a way yeah. of being able to, to, to paint a picture and tell a story. And he's really good. He's about one that. of the best storytellers I've ever been around. Yeah, and he has almost so a Jimmy right. Stewart way of doing it. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, he's cause he's very humble about it. The way he yeah. approaches is very humble. He's a yeah. very powerful teacher, but um, anyway, he talks about that. And so we listen to that while we put up the tree or sometimes when we're driving out to my mom's house, um, to grandma's house we go anyway we'll go to that we'll listen to don't forget the star because his message in there is just perfect because he goes through all these um little stories about how he 
how he found the true meaning of Christmas among all the other stuff. And so that's another one of my traditions that I really like to do. And even if my family's not listening to it, I, I will listen to it again because his one that he talks about on, uh, let's see, when he's on his mission in Hull, he talks about that. And he talks about all, almost all of Christmas is stripped away, uh, tradition-wise, is stripped away. And all he's left with is um, reading Matthew and Luke. Yeah. And he reads those and he gets his Christmas story out of there. So that's that's one of those ones that helps me um, set the right tone. And then there's other things we do. Like I'm, you know, we have family things we get together and we, uh, we always have the, uh, the nativity um, at, at the, at Christmas, we'll get together on Christmas day and um, we'll have all the kids act out the nativity again. And, you know, the younger generation keeps taking yeah. over, you know, and then sometimes yeah. you got to conscript the, uh, the, the younger teenagers and they get roped into doing but anyway, and my sister-in-law keeps us up really good. Laura, she's excellent. And, and, and Wes. So Wes, uh, my brother-in-law, will read the Christmas story, and she will have outfits and things like that. You know, And it doesn't take a long time. It's maybe 10 or 15 minutes. But it's fun to see them um, reenact that, that, uh, that nativity story. So that's, that's another thing. That, so there's three things that I do to, that kind of make things that, that put the spiritual um, – aspect into into focus for me and then of course there's a lot of other things you know going to see the messiah and singing um christmas uh christmas hymns i i get if we sing anything besides christmas hymns during december besides the sacrament i'm like doggone we're wasting good time here sing and sing the i heard the bells on christmas day yeah anyway um yeah i love christmas hymns love them yeah, well, that's fantastic. We find ourselves kind of in a little bit of a transition. There were a lot of things we did when our kids were little that were really, really effective. I felt like, you know, my wife had this great one where we had this uh, uh, little baby Jesus and we we got this in Hawaii, a little basket, a square basket that we said, OK, like this is like the manger, but look how hard it is with no straw in it. So she got a bunch of raffia and every time anyone did something nice. Um, they didn't get it. Someone else had to call them out for doing something nice and go put a little straw in the manger. And the idea was to have it full of straw by Christmas Eve. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but but the whole time it had people focus both on doing things for each other, but that we're doing this because that's what Jesus would want us to do. And that was fantastic. Now we have two kids at home and they're a senior and a junior. And I'm lucky if I see him for 20 minutes in a day or whatever. <laughs> right. And that 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 doesn't work out quite as well. But um so we, we tried a different thing this year because uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving, we each night, uh, and I think we're just going to keep doing this, um, but each night when we're doing family prayer, everyone had to say two things they're grateful for, right? So this is part of the 20 minutes when I do see my my teenagers. But anyway, um, and uh, after Thanksgiving, we added, okay, a third one. You have to say something you're grateful for about Jesus. So our oh. rule had been you have to say something you're grateful for in general, something you're grateful for about our family. And now we're saying, and now something you're grateful for about Jesus. And uh, uh, that's really helped me to, to uh, each day I'm looking for, okay, what, what, what's the thing I'm going to say tonight that I'm grateful about Jesus. And that that's really actually helped my, my focus on Christ. Really gratitude is the key to, uh, to most things when, when setting the framework for, um, for putting ourselves in the right frame of mind, because if the world could use a little bit of gratitude at any given time, yes, there's bad things going on, but yeah. there's something to be grateful for in this way or that way. I, I don't Always. know if you know that there's that story about, um, I can't remember. There's a, it's a famous story about the fleas, uh, in, um, doggone it. What's the name of that story? There's, 
basically the, these uh, these women were in the concentration camps in Nazi Germany, and they had pretty terrible circumstances, and they had these fleas that were biting. You remember this story? I you don't. This one? No. Well, anyway, they uh, they were talking about what um, what they were thankful for, or, or I can't remember how the story goes, but that they're man. I'm gonna have to go leave it in the, in the show notes or in the comments below. But anyway, it's a great story, and one of the ladies says, I'm grateful for the fleas. And they're like, why would you be grateful for the fleas? Well, the fleas kept the soldiers out of the room. They let them, they let them be because they would uh, be in their little cell or their little concentration area. And because the soldiers fleas, didn't want fleas, the soldiers huh? didn't want to get them on them. So they left them alone and they were free uh, to do some things. I think they had some, uh, uh, a, a Torah in there or something like that. Or I can't remember exactly. I might be messing the story up, but that's basically it. It's like, and to be to be thankful for something that's tormenting you, you know, because those fleas bite. They're not great. Yeah. Um, but at least it kept them safe from other things. And yeah. so even in the worst circumstances, can we find something that we can be grateful for? And that puts us in the right attitude. You yeah. know, let's it's a key to happiness, it's a key to faith, it's a key to so many things. Right. Agreed. And that's why I like Thanksgiving, because we at Thanksgiving, we get all that 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 good feeling going on. And then we start into the Christmas season and then yeah. the lights and the festivities and, you know, all the fun stuff and the food and, you know, yeah. that's all great. The music. Awesome. Well, let's just encourage our, our audience this year to uh, between now, uh, whenever it is that you're listening to this and Christmas, or maybe even now a new year and then see how you can keep it going after that. But uh, daily look for something you're grateful for Christ about. Uh, I think it will change your prayers. It will change your interaction with others. It will change a lot of things. Uh, there is uh, usually I'm having a hard time choosing what thing am I going to say uh, by the end of the day, but I am grateful. I just want to tell my entire audience uh, and you, Lamar, and my family and everyone, I am grateful that God sent Jesus Christ. I am grateful that Jesus Christ was willing to descend or condescend to be with us and willing to suffer so much. Uh, so that we can be with God again, so that my, my I and my family can be healed of all things and all can be made right. Uh, there are a thousand things every day that I can feel Christ in my life for. And I am so, so grateful for Christ. And I testify of his reality in the name of Jesus Christ. All I can say to that is amen. Nothing I can add to make it better. Wow. Well, thank well, you. Thanks. Thank you very much for joining us on the scriptures are real. And um, uh, I wish I had some Christmas music to play <laughs> Christmas music to play us out on, but I don't. But uh, thank you so much for being there. And, and uh, I hope you find Christ um, during this Christmas season for you and your family. So Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time on the scriptures are real. <laughs>